it's tracking your numbers because what we track we can improve and then what we track we track our numbers we can build a predictable and a duplicatable business before we get into today's episode are you a fix and flipper who needs some money you need to maybe do more deals and you're limited by the funds you have available well then fund that flip today's best ever sponsor has a solution for you and you know fun that flip right your loyal best ever listener the founder matt rodak he's been on the show multiple times and they have been a previous sponsor and they love working with the best ever listeners and they provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors they've got an online platform makes the entire process super easy and you can get funded in as few as seven days so if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, go to fundthatflip.com and mention that, well, you heard about it on the Best Ever Show. Best Ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff with us today. Dylan Borland. How you doing, Dylan? Good, Joe. How are you? I am doing well. Nice to have you on the show. And a little bit about Dylan. He is the CEO and chairman of the Borland Group, which is a full-service real estate investment firm. Since 2006, Dylan's completed over 2,000 real estate transactions. He is averaging over 100 fix and flips a year. And they currently have a portfolio of $10 million dollars. And their goal is to increase that $90 million to a $100 million portfolio of multifamily properties in the next five years. So with that being said, Dylan, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. First of all, thanks, Joe, for having me on the podcast. Enjoy listening to it. And hopefully we can provide some good value for the best ever listeners today. So I will just kind of start briefly, I guess, with what you want a little bit of background on kind of how I got started in real estate and where I came from. Yeah. And what you're focused on now too. So like a long story short, I actually started at a very early age flipping cars when I was 13 because I had to figure out how could I make a dollar into a hundred. So I came from an environment where if I wanted to eat lunch, I had to pay for it. If I was turning 16 and I wanted to get a car, I had to figure out where I was going to get that capital from. So very early on, I started flipping cars, and then I realized the profit margins were slim on that. And so I was reading books and trying to figure out what business could I get into that could help me hit my income goals. And I read a book on real estate investing and got the bug and bought my first property when I was 17. I'd have my girlfriend buy it at the time because she was of legal age and flipped it, made a good amount of money, and then never looked back. So that's kind of a 30-second recap of kind of how I got involved in real estate. Going forward over the years, so I've been doing this since 2006, and my business, Joe, was primarily single-family residential. So for about 2006 to 2016, we focused on basically single-family rentals and fix and flips. So we got to a point pretty consistently where we're doing about 100 fix and flips a year. And then about 2016, I got the multifamily bug. So now we've been, in addition to our single family properties, been on a beaten path to acquire, like you had mentioned, our goal is $100 million in value add multifamily deals within the next five years. So that's kind of where we're at now. Mm-hmm. 
the 10 million that you have, how many units is that? That encompasses just under 200 units so far of our own properties. And by your own properties, does that mean you don't have any investors in it? Good question. So we actually operate on a syndication platform, which I'm probably sure your listeners listen or are familiar with. And with that, we'll typically act as a sponsor on a deal, put in a good portion of the equity, and then syndicate the remaining investment. But I mean our own properties, because our goal on that is to build a long-term portfolio where there is an exit. Any remaining investors get cashed out. We stay in the deal. And we also do, outside of that, property management for other clients as well, too. Okay. So the 200 units that's worth $10 million is from a deal or deals that were syndicated, correct? Correct. Yep. Cool. And how many different syndications comprise of the 200 units? Five total. Wow. We started with a bunch of little small puppies and then we realized... <laughs> So Anything were, moving forward, but it be 100 units or above. Yeah, tell us about the small one, because that's on average 40 units of syndication. And I always thought that it didn't make financial sense to syndicate if it's that small of a property. So talk to us about that. Not all of them are syndicated, right? So the smaller ones, there's one of them that is syndicated. It's 12 unit. And then we have another 12 unit and then a 52 unit. And then we've got a 96 unit and another small one as well. So there's only one small one that was syndicated, but I put in the bulk of capital on that mm-hmm. particular syndication. And then I had a couple friends come in with me on it. And then uh, the other small ones, our firm just owned outright. So th- those were okay. not syndicated. Now the 96 unit was a syndication. And yes, it makes sense the bigger you go. Okay. The small the- one may not make sense. <laughs> okay. Uh, the yeah. the small one that you did bring in partners, is that the 52 unit? That is a 12 unit. That's a 12 unit. How do you structure that? That's a good question. So most of our syndications are structured about the same. On that 12 unit, it's about 180000 in equity, of which the investors made up about 80000 of it. And they get paid a 8% preferred return. And then anything over that benchmark is split 80-20 on that particular deal. And then we get a management fee because we do the property management, everything in-house. So if my memory serves me correct, I think we're getting about 4 or 5% to manage that particular property mm-hmm. in addition to our own. Okay. Pretty straightforward. Did you get an acquisition fee? Do you do that? We do. I don't think on those small ones we did, but typically we charge like on the 96 unit, a 3% acquisition fee. But I don't think we did on those because with such a small deal and then the other ones, we just own ourselves. They weren't right. indicated. Yep. That makes sense. <laughs> I would have loved to, but <laughs> yeah, the three back to our pocket. When you said 3%, is that in reference to the purchase price or total capitalization? We charge it on the purchase price. Okay, 3%. So the 96 um, unit was $4.2 million acquisition price, and then we charge 3% on that as our syndication fee. Okay, and that is an 8% preferred return in 80-20? Now, that one's a unique deal. So that one is an 8% preferred return. It's 70-30 over the benchmark. Investors are actually getting about 14.72% internal rate of return. At five years, they have an exit through a refi but then they're actually keeping equity in perpetuity. So they'll get their capital back in five years, and then they'll continue to get equity and earnings for as long as we hold the asset. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. 
And going back to what you were saying earlier about your goal for your company, how does that align with your goal for your company? Because it sounds like you're not exiting them out of that deal. Well, they're exited in the sense that their capital will be returned. And then at that point, the ownership or the equity, the share and net income goes to 50-50. Okay. So like our long-term vision is to be the end user of all the assets at exit. Because our goal to multifamily is to build long-term generational wealth. So properties we just keep forever. Mm-hmm. We don't have any exit plan on them. So there's enough meat on the bones in that particular deal that even when we split and offer investors equity at 50-50, it's a very healthy deal. We're still earning a very healthy income on that particular property. Okay. And we don't offer equity in perpetuity very often. It just There was so much meat on the bones in this one that it just was a nice thing to do for our investors. Okay. So once they get their initial investment back, when you refinance in five, which is projected to be five years, then it turns into a 50-50 structure because they don't have any skin in the game. And so it's just 50-50 of whatever the profits are after that. Yep. Preferred goes away and then it's 50-50 on any net profits. Okay, cool. You're educating me on a model I hadn't quite seen I've seen bits and parts of this from different models, but I haven't quite seen this structure. It's really interesting. Yeah, most of the time, as you're probably familiar, there's just a clear exit. Capital getting returned, typically, because we're buying value add. Uh So we can typically exit investors out through the refinance, return their capital, and then they either reinvest in the next deal or go to another deal on their own. Mm -hmm. So it just lends itself to a very nice, perfect storm, I guess, in that scenario, you know, this particular one. It's overall good for the investors, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If all goes according to plan, they've got their money back in five years. They've made a decent return and now they've got ownership in 50% of the profits with no money in. Correct. The last deal you did, is it that 96 unit? Yep. When did you buy it? We just freshly closed on that property. Congratulations. And we put it under contract back in April of this year. Well, I thought there weren't any good deals left in multifamily right now. <laughs> there are so many good deals, and that rolls into my best ever advice for your listeners. We can talk about that, but it's called We Prospect Every Day. You okay. Know, we, there's more to that, but we prospect off-market opportunities every single day. We're just relentless with it. Where is the 96 unit? Southfield, Michigan. Southfield. So you're near Detroit. Is Southfield near Detroit as well? Yeah, it's about 20 minutes outside of downtown. So a nice little kind of suburban little area. Okay. If I said, hey, I'm going to visit Southfield, or I'm thinking about moving to Southfield, what would the locals say about Southfield, candidly? They would say it's a nice, stabilized area. Lots to do. They kind of have a city center there. It's not a big city center, but they've got a hub with offices and everything under the sun you can imagine to do, any place to eat, a lot of activities. The city takes care of itself. The roads are good. The housing's good. They maintain strict order in terms of how properties are maintained and buildings are maintained. So it's a very nice suburban type of environment and safe. It's in a city called Oakland County, Michigan, which I think nationally is one of the wealthiest counties in the U.S., if I'm not mistaken. So it's very well taken care of. And the properties are taken care of as well and good stabilized growth. So it's a nice area to be. How much did you raise for this one? You said the purchase price was 4.2. Yeah. Our total equity raise 
on this deal is 1.7. And of course that goes, we have an 80-20 loan, so 20% down payment. Our syndication fees included in that at the 3%. And then closing costs. And then we have about 400 to 450,000 in capital improvements to the building out front, which we were part of that raise. And will you tell us high-level business plan? High-level business plan in this particular asset, first of all, Putting in the 450000 is going to go a long way to improving the exterior of the building, the common areas, the individual units, so we can get rents up. Rents are really, really low for the area. They're about 100 to $150 below where they should be. And part of that is just poor management. It's been one owner since it's been built in the late 70s, and they have not taken the effort to increase rents and maintain it. So very bad management. And then the other thing is operating expenses are very high for this building. So operating expenses are about 55%. So our goal is to get them down to 45 for a building like this. And just those two elements alone are going to increase the NOI significantly. Properties are trading about an eight cap. And I think our value we projected on that within a very short period is going to go from 4.2 to just under 6 million. And then the goal is to keep it long-term just as an income producing asset, pay off the debt and keep it in the portfolio. Now, since we do similar things, I have the benefit of knowing the types of questions that investors ask you. So I'm curious what your response is to some of the frequently asked questions that I get. So you ready for this? I was born ready. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm going to phrase it sometimes how it's phrased to me. So here we go. You ready? Sure. It's a frothy market. Isn't this a bad time to invest in multifamily? You know, that's a very common question. I know it is. I told you. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that question because it's not right. So when you're focused on buying right, it's never a bad market. So our focus as a firm, any asset we buy is buying undervalue, underperforming assets at deep discounts. It's a bad market for most people because their focus is all they know how to do is go out and buy things turnkey. And so they're buying at the peak of the market. So in that scenario, it's bad like buying a house at full market value. We don't even do that. So in essence, we're buying our apartments for 50, 60, 70 cents on the dollar. So if the market crashes, we got a long ways to go before we start dipping into the equity on the property. And then in addition to that, multifamily is, in my opinion, a very safe investment because as the market starts to decline, people still need a place to live and they start to lose their houses. Unfortunately, they got to live somewhere. And where is that? apartments typically, mm-hmm. right? So we see it as a very safe space. And again, if you're buying right, and that's what your focus and strategy is on, you're going to be safe. Now, if you go out and buy things at full cap rates that are turnkey assets, then probably not in this market. As it relates to your financing, how do you protect against interest rates continuing to go up? Oh, good question there. So I partner in my company, David, deals mostly with the financing. But first of all, we protect ourselves in terms of leverage. We limit ourselves to only applying a certain amount of leverage to the asset. But in terms of rates, we try to forecast out because markets move in cycle, right, in real estate. So they're 10 to 12 years generally for our market in Michigan. And they get hit differently in other areas. But we generally will shoot for like a long term. I think our loan on that is the Freddie Mac small balance. So our interest lock for the next 10 years. We've got it locked at 4.6%. And then after 10 years, it will change, of course. So we plan kind of within a 10-year time frame to have our interest rates locked. And then outside of that, 
there's really not much more you can do unless you put like a 30 or 40 year mortgage on it. And then when we do our refinance, we make sure we want to refinance that building in five to seven years that our defeasance fees, our early termination fees, are dropping off right in that time frame, so we're not getting hit with those either. We try to time it in cycle where the market is at, because obviously we're at a peak market right now. We're going to expect a crash. We're going to expect an incline. And then where are the rates going to be hypothetically during that time frame? So that mm-hmm. lending doesn't restrict during refinance either. And if it does, are we safe? And then lastly, I have probably... Th- 57 of these questions, but we are limited for time. (laughs) Let's just do an easy one for you. What's communication look like after closing? Oh, so with the investors? Yes. Good question. So investors get direct access. They get an investor login portal to all their investments and then any possible opportunities in the future. And then I actually am responsible. I do the equity side here. So I'm responsible for keeping constant communication with them once a quarter. I get on the phones, I call them, say, hey, how are things going? Here's some updates. And then we give them quarterly updates in addition to their quarterly distributions. But I make it a point to actually call everybody myself personally, at least once a quarter. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? So I gave some thought to that. And I think it's a two part. I think the best advice I can give to people as it relates to single family, I know we just talked about multifamily, but we do them both. And that's really where I got my roots was in single family is to prospect. I think that's the difference. Our firm does 100 fix and flips a year on the single family side. And I swear the sole difference for that is we get on the phones, myself included, and we spend our days prospecting. So instead of buying the list and mailing to it like everybody does, we buy the list, run the phone numbers and make the calls. Mm. Right. And then in addition to that, it's tracking your numbers because what we track, we can improve. And then what we track, we track our numbers, we can build a predictable and a duplicatable business. So I know exactly where I need to do for my next deal, where I need to go. So I think that that's a key element that a lot of people don't probably hear and they probably don't teach out there. Mm -hmm. But I think that's been the biggest accelerator to our growth and continues to be. Instead of marketing, waiting for the business to come to you, like you just asked me where all the good multifamily deals, we download the list and we call. Where do you buy it from or download it from? We use CoStar, which I think is national. Have you heard of CoStar? Of course. Yep. We build out lists through CoStar for multifamily. And then for single family, you just buy your traditional list, your absentees, your probates, your foreclosures. Instead of mailing to them, you just get the phone numbers and call them. With CoStar, you do a search for your area and the type of property you're looking for. And then does that give you the phone numbers or that do you have to take an extra step for that? CoStar does give us the owner's name, address, the true owner, and then their phone numbers. I think there's rare occasions where the phone numbers are not attached, and then those are pretty easily found. But generally speaking, when you export it, the phone numbers are there as well. How do you find them easily? We use two companies, either White Pages Premium. Most of these properties are owned by corporations or companies who have some sort of an internet presence. Number two or number three, if we go deeper than that, we use a service called Vulcan 7 which really gets deep into scrubbing the data and getting us accurate contact information for the property owner. Mm. And Vulcan is like salt track, like Vulcan, the number seven. And the big differentiator for you is you're picking up the phone and calling versus doing the direct mail thing for apartments. We spend less than $1,000 a month on our marketing for both residential and multifamily. The big differentiator is picking up the phone.
What do you two, three hours. You just found my number. I'm an apartment owner. You just called me. What do you say? We just reaching out to you. Hey, Joe, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Dylan over at the Borland Group. We're looking at buying properties in your particular area, and that's how we found out about yours, and we wanted to see if you have any interest in selling. Just like that. What do you need from the conversation in order to get what you want out of it? It's a numbers game, right? So the vast majority of people aren't interested in selling, but we're looking for the one that does. And all that person has to say is, yeah, I have a slight interest or what would you offer me? And if there's any inclination that they would like an offer, then we start the process from there. That's collecting the data, getting the rent rolls, the occupancies, and then make them an offer, see if it makes sense for them. Easy enough. Yeah, it's pretty easy. Just pick up the phone and just say, are you interested in selling? Where people, Mm -hmm. I think, get frustrated is because you make 100 calls, 99 people are going to say, I'm not interested in selling. But you're only looking for the one that is. Yeah. And the one that is, like Southfield, for example, that's how we got the Southfield deal. We got it off market a month before he was going to list it with a broker. And we bought it ten to $15,000 under market value. We got it for 43000 a unit, I think it was. And they're trading for 53 to 56 in that area in their current condition. Good for you. Love hearing that. You said $1,000 a month. Does that include your CoStar subscription? Good question. No, that does not include the CoStar subscription. We have a brokerage is like 320 or 350 a month, I think. Okay. Cool. Uh, you get a discount, I guess, if you're a broker. I think that's how it works. Cool. Well, we've been talking about the lead generation. I think I asked you best real estate investing advice ever, right? Because that was your lead gen prospect. Cool. I just want to make sure. We've mentioned it a couple times already, and you said it was going to be it, and I've been taking notes. so many notes on this call. I've been soaking it up. I got a little lost. All right. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about, do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. Tired of the noise in the real estate investing space, but still want to light your business on fire. Real estate deal talk is an original source of radio shows, podcasts, case studies, and articles devoted to real estate investing for investors by investors. Discover more at realestatedealtalk.com. That's realestatedealtalk.com. Best ever book you've read. Best ever book I read is a book from Matthew Ferry. It's actually a course on NLP, which is Neural Linguistic Programming. So the salespeople out there may have heard of that. And if you haven't, look it up. If you want to be a good salesperson, it's fantastic stuff. Best ever deal you've done? Best ever deal I've done, I actually wholesaled an apartment building and made 400000 on it instantly. And wow. Not our intention. We were planning to keep the building and take it through the repositioning process. We got it at such a good cap rate. We got an immediate offer from another investor. And we looked at each other and said, let's set it loose. Made a quick 400000 So that worked out great. That's outstanding. How many units was that? 162. 162. In uh, Ocala, Florida. In where? Florida, Ocala, Florida. How'd you come across one in Florida? 
I have a partner down there. He's the one that actually got me involved in multifamily. We're part of the same sales coaching program, and he brought it to our attention and asked if I wanted to go in on it with him, and I said, absolutely. So he's boots on the ground in that area. What's the mistake you've made on a transaction? Biggest mistake I made is in the residential world. We were fixing flipping a house, and I had a contractor embezzle 18 grand on the renovation. I had to eat that. We learned very quickly how to correct that process. How would you correct it? I just systematized it. So our renovation has a system now attached to it, and part of that system is making sure as we tour the properties that we're not paying out in advance as to where the renovation is, and that was the challenge there. We kept making distributions on it, and cabinets weren't showing up, material wasn't showing up, and it was obvious that the money was going somewhere else. So now we walk through a renovation, the contractor has to catch up if we're ever over where the renovation is currently at. We just won't make the next distribution until they catch up. And it goes deeper than that, but there's a whole now system that we've established to prevent anything like that from happening again. And thank God it's been five years and I think we've mastered it. Best ever way you like to give back? I like that question. I think for me, what I get the most satisfaction is we run a free monthly coaching meetup for real estate investors. And I really get a lot of joy out of it. I like teaching people. I've seen a lot. I've been through a lot. And we teach people there at no cost. And we've been able to help a lot of people. So I really enjoy that. Best ever way the best ever listeners can get in touch with you. I think the best way for me is either on Facebook, which I think the handle is at Dylan S. Borland. Dylan spelled D-Y-L-A-N. S is in Scott Borland. Or the email will probably be best. And that's Dylan, D-Y-L-A-N, at BorlandCapital.com. Borland spelled B-O-R, land, L-A-N-D. Cool. Do you all have a website? Is it BorlandCapital.com? We got a few. We've got one for the capital. We've got one for residential property management. But if you go to any of them, it will direct you to the other one. So BorlandCapital.com or BorlandCommercial.com or the LLC.com is our residential site. But they all interconnect. Cool. So. Dylan, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for giving us tremendous advice and insight into your business, how you're prospecting for deals, how the key is the phone call. <laughs> Not just mailing something out passively. It's actually getting on the phone and having those conversations. And you're right. When you're dealing with larger stuff, you don't need to hit five out of 20. You need to hit one out of 100. And that's okay because I guarantee you, you can call 100 phone numbers in one week. And if you get that one under contract, it will be well worth the effort. So really appreciate it, Dylan. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it as well. Tired of the noise in the real estate investing space but still want to light your business on fire? Real Estate Deal Talk is an original source of radio shows, podcasts, case studies, and articles devoted to real estate investing. For investors, by investors. Discover more at realestatedealtalk.com. That's realestatedealtalk.com.